should never say die. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and this week we're going to be talking about Get Shorty, which is a film, show, and book about soulless, sadistic monsters who will ruin lives on a whim and mobsters. I see what you did there. Yeah. Yeah, Obvious joke is obvious. Unless you don't know Get Shorty, and then you might be confused. But all will be explained. All mysteries will come to solution before the end of this show. And at least once someone will say, fuck you, fuck ball. Oh, wait. I already said it. Well, if you like fuck balls, and who doesn't? (laughs) You'll probably find a few on the great podcasts and music and such all on Geek Life Radio that uh, they play us. And they also play shows like The History of Bad Ideas, The Anime Trap House, The Shining Wizards Wrestling Podcast, and of course, Geek Life Radio's own Rad Dad Radio Hour, The Smorgasbord. She thinks Jack Klugman's sexy. Is that it? Uh, that was something. Right. That was something. That was the thing. But yeah, so if you're looking for uh, some more of our shows, you can find our back catalog at Google, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We are on Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and Podcast Addict. To get in touch, give us a show uh, idea. Shut up, Pat. <laughs> you'd like to hear us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. You can also join on our Discord by clicking the Join Us link on the show notes. The chat's always popping, man. Yeah, we were talking... What were we talking about recently? We're talking about a lot, a lot today. Fingernails. Yes. We, we talked Ted Lasso a little bit in one of the chats. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Food, Oh, beer. yeah. The, was it today or yesterday? It's been a long day where we were talking about the Star Wars Hotel. Yeah, oh, it was yeah. yesterday. Long yeah. chat on the Star Wars Hotel. I'm not paying five five grand for a Star Dude, Wars Dude, but hotel. how awesome would that be, though? It would be awesome, but for five grand, I want to have lunch with Lucas and be able to deride him. <laughs> Dude, be able to five, ride him? $5,000 to live Star Wars for three days and two nights with all of the people that won't pay $5,000 to do those things, like automatically cut out of the experience is something I will be doing at some point. I don't know. For five grand, you might get to have lunch with like Jar Jar, but not not Lucas. All right. Let me let me change my phrasing. If I had five grand, you'd be rich. I'd be thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, think yeah. about I, it. definitely it's going to be a situation where we have to save for it because that's that's a big vacation that's probably more than we spent a week in you know on a week in europe but also it's not opening until next year and it's probably going to be booked solid for like two years after it opens so we've got time oh yeah 100%. yeah maybe my uh my 20th 20th what wedding anniversary oh oh dude well, like, you just dude, passed past 40 20. man yeah it's about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. That was good. I like that. That was very peppy. You're, you're like a young Jack Klugman. Thanks. <laughs> All I'm right. trying. Okay, you're, you're drifting further and further away from Jack Klugman now. I mean, I don't know. Every day we drift further from Klugman's light. (laughs) So this week, we're going with October 20th, 1995, the week of the release of Get Shorty. I've got that theme song in my head by John Laurie, just on a loop every time you say Get Shorty. All right, so music. The number one song in the land was Fantasy by Mariah Carey. It's a pretty okay Mariah Carey song. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the one where she sings really high and... 
does some runs. And then the sig's really low, and the sig's really like high again. Runs, yeah. yeah. And then she, then the cat comes out. I'm pretty sure it out. was on a video they game, like they... some sort of extreme beach volleyball, uh, dead or alive game. Like it was one of the 15 songs on the soundtrack, so it's probably the Mariah Carey song I've uh, listened to most. Not necessarily by choice, but because I played I'm that not on a, Xbox. I'm not a huge fan of songs that sample other songs, which I know is a huge thing nowadays and lately and recently. But and this is one of the first ones to do it, and I was I, I started off not really caring for it. It used the music track from uh, uh, what is that one song from Tom Tom Club, Genius of Love. Oh, that with that with that it sounds like the mask is singing along. That one. No. I'm sure I've heard this song, but I don't. Yeah. What am I thinking of? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, Genius of Love. It's got that guy in the back. Going, oh, I, okay. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, she didn't sample that. I thought you were talking about a part <laughs> that was sampled. I got it. I, guess. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, funny. that was not Mariah Carey was doing that part of Tom Tom Club. <laughs> yeah, where I carry just. <laughs> Is she having a stroke? Just about. <laughs> yeah. All right. A bit of a miscommunication there, I think. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we talked about what her uh, vocal thing was, that word that we didn't know. But, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Donald Eugene Cherry was an American jazz trumpeter who had a long association with free jazz saxophonist Ornette Coleman that began in the late 1950s. He also performed alongside musicians such as John Coltrane, Charlie Hayden, Sun Ra, Ed Blackwell, the New York Contemporary Five, and Albert Ayler. In the 1970s, Cherry became a pioneer in world fusion music, drawing on traditional African, Middle Eastern, and Hindustani music. He has been called one of the most influential jazz musicians of the late 20th century. Cherry died on October 19th at the age of 58 from liver cancer. He was inducted into the Jazz Hall of Fame in 2011 and absorbed shortly before. Hmm. That's sad, man. Liver cancer? Fuck that. Well, there's no cancer that's fun. Agreed. Is there a fun cancer? I don't think so. No. Can you I have... mean, I, I, I don't even have anywhere to go for that for an uh, inappropriate joke. No. Yeah. 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 We can all agree on that. All right, Pat. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Amala Ratna Zandil Dalmini, born October 21st, is Firth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I get through the name just barely, and then I say October 21st. Mike totally called it. <laughs> she is known professionally as Doja Cat. She is an American rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer. She began making and releasing music on SoundCloud as a teenager, and her song, So High, got her a record deal at the age of 17, subsequently releasing her debut EP, her debut EP Purr, in 2014, Doja Cat released her debut studio album, Amala, in 2018, and her second studio album, Hot Pink, reached the top 10 of the U.S. Billboard 200 and spawned the single Say So featuring Nicki Minaj. In 2020, she collaborated with Ariana Grande, Megan Thee Stallion, and SZZA, SZA, SZA? SZA, I think is how it goes. Yeah. Huh, it's like the Jizza and the RZA, in songs that each made the top 40. Doja Cat is known for creating music videos and songs that achieve popularity on social media applications such as TikTok and YouTube. She has been nominated for three Grammy Awards and six Billboard Music Awards and has won two American Music Awards and two MTV Video Music Awards. Forbes named Doja Cat one of the top breakout stars of 2020 and listed her on their annual 30 Under 30 list. Yeah, I probably only know who she is because of TikTok. I mean, you know, credit to her. She took something, made use of it, and turned it into a fucking career. Mm-hmm. 
Now I'm I'm seriously I'm curious who this SZA person is because it SZA. Oh, he's that no would be Jack the Clutman. Be the one name in there that I don't recognize. She's from St. Louis. Oh, she's a okay. Huh. She's an alternative R and B neo soul hip hop and trap. Artist. Okay, and that's a lot was, of adjectives. She was the <laughs> other the other singer on Kiss Me More. <clears throat> so she's not related to the Jizza and the Rizza because they're from New York. So I was just curious because it just you know it's very similar. So anyway, moving on. Richard Shannon Hoon was a singer songwriter <laughs> musician known as the lead singer of the band Blind Melon. Uh, after a disappointing performance at Numbers in Houston on October 20th, who launched himself into an all-night drug binge. The next day, Blind Melon was scheduled to play a show in New Orleans. The band's sound engineer went to the tour bus to awaken Hoon for a sound check, but Hoon was unresponsive. An ambulance arrived and Hoon was pronounced dead at the scene at the age of 28, attributed to a cocaine overdose, which sucks because he was absorbed kind of young. 28. Thanks. Yep. At- that is one of the, uh, that's like the last cassette I bought before I left for college. Like I bought it the night before I was driving to uh, Chicago to start. And he died college. as that song was hitting the top 10. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I've been to numbers, by the way, the, the club, but I didn't, I didn't, I, until I did this tweet, I didn't realize that that, that was what, what has, what caused it. Is it like a, like a little small, like venue? Yeah. Or? Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a little, you know, they, they, they play a lot of, it's a small venue and you know, there's a lot of eighties bands that play there. So what, like Is the empty like, bottle or I was going to guess like double door small. Well, before it shut down or yeah. Like... Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's probably a better, better reference. Yeah. Uh, there's a new double door opening, <clears throat> by the way, they got a old school bank building. Oh, that's kind of a neat <laughs> place for that. Yeah, they're rehabbing it and keeping a lot of the old cool architecture inside. So it should be a pretty good venue. Nice. With the general manager's uh, office in the vault. That'd be sweet. On Ooh, October. Security, security would be in the vault, their <clears throat> office. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, keep all the security guys in one place where you can shut a giant steel door or whatever it's made out of. That, that got aggressive. Right. Yeah, I'm not like, planning anything. I think we might know why your restaurant shut down. Like that's your plan is like to lock all the employees up all the time. Just the security. Shh. Oh, just the security. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh shit. Every every 24 hours, you got to hire a new security because there's just big pile of bodies piling up in the vault. Let the bodies hit the floor. <laughs> Let the bodies hit the floor. All right. So on October, don't, don't lock your employees up, Joel. Is is the short version of. So we're playing Stompy Stompy on Joel this week, then? Yep, that's, that's the game we're playing. <laughs> that's most weeks. Go ahead, Joel. On October 23rd, Def Leppard <laughs> entered the Guinness Book of World Records by performing three shows in three continents in the same day, playing Tangier, Morocco, London, England, and Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Well, good on you, Def Leppard. Huh. I included that fact for Mike. All with only one arm. I'm wondering I mean, how much of that was like just spent on the plane. I was going to think that's all. I mean, they would probably have to figure out like time zone and time changes in order to have enough time to do it all. Well, yeah, but like Morocco from uh, London, I think it's pretty much straight south. It's the, the long flight is going to be Vancouver. Yeah. And just to clarify, Joel, they have the band has nine arms, not one. <laughs> do you know this entire band only has one arm? Yeah, between all of them. <laughs> Nobody ever noticed, but yeah, it's just one. Man, that's one good arm. Yeah, they shared it around pretty quickly. I don't know how, I mean. The least armed man in the world. (laughs) Rick Allen jokes never get old. All right, and finally, let's get done with this music. On October 24th, the Smashing Pumpkins released their Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. 
their album. I recall when you bought that. I still have a bunch of the promotional flats downstairs. That's Laura's favorite of the of their catalog. I was going to say, I'm pretty sure you bought that on October 24th, 1995. <laughs> I did. I bought, yep, the double CD. I was like, whoa, this double CD thing. That's a lot of music. Yep. I remember yeah. you bringing it back and listening to it and <clears throat> all of us checking it out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then listening to it again. I know a lot of bands proceeded to follow suit with that. And in some cases, less is more with some bands. Oh, I miss Les. Yeah. Wait, as in Christian rapper Les? No, our friend Les from college. Les, Leslie Hunter. Remember him? No. I thought you were talking about Les. How do you not remember Les? That's what I'm asking. No, we're asking you how you don't remember Les. I remember so, Les. Oh, okay then. You're the one acting like you didn't. All right, we're going to move on to movies. Please. Thank you. The number one movie in the land was, of course, Get Shorty, which knocked off seven. Seven what? I knew someone was going to go for that. (laughs) I just just knew it. You're going to softball it in like that, yeah. Yeah, I uh, saw seven in the theater seven times. Yep. Once once I'd seen it four, I was just like, well, now I have to. (laughs) That that movie. With me, yep. That movie was definitely worth watching in the theater, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I... Oh, when we went there as a group to go see it? Yep. Well, Suzanne's reaction was the, <laughs> the best. She... Well, she just, I don't think she was expecting what she got, you know? Because mm. that movie is Story pretty fucking dark. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for one of you guys for that. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 pretty borderline almost a horror movie in some ways with the, the level of violence and everything. But, mm-hmm. yeah. She was not expecting what she got. Nope. When she got home. All right. Mary Wicks, born Mary Isabella Wickenhauser, was an American film and television actress. She often played supporting roles as prim professional women, such as secretaries, nurses, nuns, and housekeepers. They were famous for sarcastic quips when the leading characters fell short of her high standards. She appeared in The Father Dowling Mysteries, Sister Act, and Dennis the Menace, among others. She died of surgery complications at the age of 79 on October 22nd. Absorbed. Oh. And you would recognize her if you looked her up. Oh, yeah. No. Is that lady who's always a nun? Lady who's always a housekeeper. Looking at you with those down-looking eyes and the frown for making a mess in the kitchen. Who is going to clean up all this pudding, Sir Teske? Huh? Did you just knight yourself? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, went, I went off on a tangent there. TV. Top shows in the land were ER, Seinfeld, Friends, and The Single Guy. That's not 90s. What was The Single Guy? That's like uh, one of these things. Is not that was life. Jonathan Silverman, I think. Yep. Yeah. The Jonathan Silverman vehicle. <laughs> Who's yep. Jonathan oh, Silverman? Uh, the, other guy, the other guy from Weekend at Bernie's. That's who Jonathan Silverman is. He was in uh, Brighton, Brighton Beach Memoirs, man. Come yeah, on. that was the best thing he was ever in. Agreed. That's a great fucking movie. And what does it, it really say? Is. Is if, if you had said the other guy, the guy from Brighton Beach Memoirs, and I recognize him better from Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Weekend at Bernie's. That needs I'm, a remake. I'm guessing when you worked at the video store, you watched Weekend at Bernie's was on periodically. Eh, I was I was more of the... Let's see how far we can get with the PG rating only sh- uh, rule that we had. That tracks. You can only put on PG. Uh, can't put anything that, that's past a PG rating. All right. Airplane. <laughs> Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Ma- Mash. That. Mash. Yeah, there's boobies. That and a couple of the football game got. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Some commentary in that football game rose a little hackles once. Um, so Richard Cal- Caldecott. 
Caldecott. It's an evil cut. We must kill the cut. Was an English actor famed for his role of Commander Povey in the BBC radio series The Navy Lark. That's confusing. He also appeared often on television, memorably as the obstetrician delivering Betty Spencer's baby in the acronym of the wink, which is S-M-A-S-M-D-A-E. I'm pretty sure that stands for Suck My Dick, Albert Einstein. (laughs) (laughs) Equals MC cock. God. Awfully aggressive towards Albert Einstein. You guys could could hear that I was pointing at my junk when I said that, right? Oh, both both hands open with a point. With hands wide open. No, actually, that is uh, Some Mothers Do Avim. That doesn't make it better. I like Josh's you know? better. I don't want to watch that show. I want to watch Josh's show. Yeah, I definitely think Josh's title is better. Yeah. Usually, and it's unfortunate. <laughs> but both of them have obstetricians. So that's We're easy to please. Uh, so, Caldecott's oh. television appearances include The Four Just Men, The Prisoner, Many Happy Returns, Steptoe and Son, Vanity Fair, Faulty Towers, mm-hmm. Coronation Street, and, to round it off, The Beverly Hillbillies. Caldecott worked virtually right up until his death on October 16th. Absorbed, 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 absorbed. Uh, Patrick, just, uh, is The Prisoner Many Happy Returns, is that one title? Yeah, well, that was the title of the episode he was in. Oh, okay. I was like, was there a sequel oh. to The Prisoner, like a follow-up show? Like, no. Many Happy Returns. Because I watched a movie today with Patrick McGowan in it, and I was like, his voice just, like, took me back to watching The Prisoner. I'll be seeing you. All right. Christopher Stone, born Thomas Edward Bossara. Barassa. Barassa? Barassa. Was an American actor who appeared in films and on television from the early 1970s until his death in 1995. Stone and his wife, Dee Wallace, both appeared together in a number of films, including the classic horror films The Howling and Cujo. They shared top billing in the family series The New Lassie. Got a canine thing going here in which he sometimes served as a director. TV shows he also appeared in were The Interns, The Dukes of Hazard, Three for the Road, Spencer's Pilots, Galactica, Buck Rogers, Airwolf, Riptide, The A-Team, and The Bionic Woman, Fly Jim. Good God, I'm done. Uh, Stone and his wife, Dee Wallace, also appeared together in Cujo, like we just said, Legend of the White Horse and Runaway Daughters. A made-for-TV movie that was a remake of the 1950s B-movie, Stone died of a heart attack on October 20th, and that was a grammatical nightmare, that entire paragraph. Absorbed. Really right. not. It was one thing that was repeated, and I apologize. Sorry. No, no. no just Cujo, that family-friendly film. Yes. That was PG. Was it? TV... I don't know. Everything was PG until I was told it wasn't. Okay. So, TV shows that debuted this week were The Littlest Pet Shop, Street Fighter, the animated series. It's a banner week. The Little Lulu Show, Goosebumps, and Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber, the TV show. Wow. Yeah, there's an animated series briefly, I think. That was something that somebody thought needed to be made. Yep. I think the 95 Street Fighter was the good one, though. I could be wrong. And Goosebumps had a pretty good run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there was a decent animated Street Fighter somewhere there in the mid-90s. And this might have been that one. All right. Moving on to Sports. Sports. On October 15th, the Carolina Panthers won their franchise's first game ever, beating the New York Jets 26-15. Good job, Panthers. Bobby Riggs, American tennis player known mostly for the Battle of the Sexes, which we've discussed before, died of prostate cancer at 77 years of age on October 25th. Guess we know who won the Battle of that sex. 
Yeah, wait, here's here's geez, here's a question, Pat. The Carolina Panthers won their franchise's first game ever. Now, was it the first game they'd ever played or was it the first game they'd ever won? No, the first game they ever won. They had played a few before already. Oh, okay. Yeah, as an expansion team, they had already lost a bunch of games. Got it. But that was their first win. Yeah, that's a relevant question, whether their first game they played was their first win or it just was the this was the first win. Yeah, okay. that very rarely ever happens, but it does occasionally happen when the first game they win. Uh, the Cleveland Indians won the 1995 American League Championship Series on October 17th, beating the Seattle Mariners 4-0 and winning the series 4-2. And lastly, on October 16th, in a record-setting sweltering heat, Brian Lara's 169 propelled West Indies to the final of the triangular tournament at, Char- at Sharjah. The knock, although 21 short of the world record for the highest ODI score of all time, had the makings of the finest innings of all time in the abridged format. Very few spectators braved the heat to watch the two island nations compete, but the ones who did witnessed an event that went down in the annals of the sport as one of the finest ever in limited overs. I know every time at Thanksgiving when we talk about limited overs, the triangular tournament at Sharjah shows up. <laughs> I mean, it's West Indies' finest hour. How could you not? Right. It's got 169... Knocks. Watch, watch out for the Sharjarnado. <laughs> You're better than that, Patrick. <laughs> Am I? No. No. Not by yeah. much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, play us off, keyboard Joel. So, 1995's Get Shorty. A movie about a mobster who travels to Hollywood to collect a debt and discovers that the movie business is much the same as his current job as a loan shark. So Shylock. Enforcer, Shylock for a loan shark. Uh, this movie was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, who also did The Addams Family, Men in Black, Big Trouble, Nine Lives, and the Series of Unfortunate Events TV series. So, it's a solid, it's a solid, uh, solid entertainment. Made. Mm-hmm. Yep. Based off of a, a book written by Elmore Leonard. The screenplay was written by Scott Frank, who also did Out of Sight, Flight of the Phoenix, which is another movie we have to put on the on the list. Yeah. Uh, the Wolverine and Logan. You don't like yep. Flight of the Phoenix? Another no. solid uh, resume there. Yeah. Out of Sight's amazing. That's such a good movie. I don't think I've seen that one. Hey, I was going to say, I don't think I've seen that. Uh, you've seen it. You probably yeah. forgot it. It's the oh. uh, Jennifer Lopez and George Clooney. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, there are more Leonard Chain. And what's super fun about that one <laughs> is you've got a minor character that is in both that movie and in Jackie Brown. Same actor, Ray Nicolette. Yep. I thought he had, he had popped up in a third movie because I was talking about that with Laura last night, and but those are the only two I could think of. So I, maybe I was thinking of the wrong thing. But, now I'm curious if he, because I, I think he was in a few different uh, uh, books, but I think uh, Michael Keaton only played him twice. Yeah, yeah, it looks like it. Just did a quick search, but. Well, all right. All right. So the stars, a John Travolta as Chili Palmer, Gene Hackman as Harry Zim, Rene Russo as Karen Flores, Danny DeVito in his very DeVito-ish Martin Weir. Dennis Farina and his breakfasty Ray Bones <laughs> Barboni. Delroy Lindo is Bo, Cat- Bo Catlett. Yeah, Bo might be my favorite Delroy Lindo role. Yeah, he was good. A pre-Sopranos James Gandolfini is Bear. 
John Grease as Ronnie Wingate, Renee Props as Nikki, David Pamer as Leo DeVoe, Martin Ferrero. I like Martin Ferrero. He's a great character actor. Mm-hmm. As uh, Tommy Carlo, Miguel Sandoval as Mr. Escobar, Jacob Vargas as Yayo, Linda Hart as Faye Devone, and Bobby Slayton as Dick Allen. Bobby Slayton. <laughs> so, some trivia on this one. Elmore Leonard has said that this is the best film ad- adaptation from one of his books. I would say that is probably for me sec- second place. I was going to say Jackie Brown is probably number one in yours, right? For sure. Yeah. Mm. Although this is the movie that uh, was adapted from one of his works that made him write a sequel. Be Cool, he wrote after this film came out. Which is a fucking amazing sequel <laughs> for I those who I haven't just seen just ruin it. a trivia point because I didn't do <clears> that. <throat> Oops. Nope. No. Okay. That. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Gene Hackman initially turned down this movie at first because he doesn't usually do comedies. Barry Sonnenfeld said that it's exactly the attitude he wanted from him on set. Play it straight and let the audience decide if it's funny, which Gene Hackman is very good at doing. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, I hear oh, he says he doesn't do comedies. But this I'm is thinking, 95. That's, well, he must right. have enjoyed it because right after this, he did The Birdcage. Right. <laughs> which is another amazing comedy. Yeah, because before later, this... He did the Royal Tenenbaums, which is arguably a comedy. Mm. Nothing funny about that movie. It's funny. Oh, I would say nothing funny. Except when he falls in a hole. That's about the only part that I found funny. But uh, John Travolta initially declined an offer to be in this movie, but Quentin Tarantino convinced him to do it. Good on I'm, you, Quentin. I was going to say, I'm glad he did. Yeah. Uh, according to Elmore Leonard, Martin Weir, Danny DeVito, is based on Leonard's own dealings with Dustin Hoffman. That makes so much sense. It really does. Uh, MGM initially did not want to extensively use Elmore Leonard-inspired dialogue in the film and pushed Barry Sonnenfeld and Scott Frank to make the passages more generic than the book's writings. But once John Travolta signed on to the film, he successfully pressured the studio to leave Frank's original draft, which had a lot of the colorful dialogue from Elmore Leonard's book in it, intact for filming. A specific example of this end result came during the sequence where Chili Palmer goes to retrieve his coat from Ray Bones Barboni. Like Very the... strong choice. I mean, this was before the Elmore Leonard movie <laughs> was like a known quantity. Yeah. Mm. Not the first one, but like the first one that I think everyone sat up and took notice. I think if you watch this and Jackie Brown, you're like, okay, I, I fucking get it. Like that these were the same guy. Mm-hmm. Also, when Rene Russo first met with Benny Sonnenfeld and Danny <laughs> DeVito at a restaurant, she had an allergic reaction to the sesame in her tuna sandwich. She then broke out in hives and had to go to the doctor, completely sure that she had not gotten the part. Uh, old Barry felt sympathetic and assured her the role was hers, which was a good choice. I think she was very good in this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not like a huge uh, Rene Russo fan, but I, I thought she was a good choice. Yeah, she played it well. I can't really think of any roles of hers <laughs> that I've been like dissatisfied with. Lethal she's, Weapon She's four. a very serviceable <laughs> act- actress. Yeah. Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah. No? I don't have an issue with her in that. Okay, I've seen it. She plays One. Frigga in Thor, so you got that going on for her. <laughs> awesome. Was this a first viewing for anybody? Nope. Nope. Obviously not for me. Obviously not. I thought this would have been a first viewing for me, but then 15 minutes into this, I'm like, I've seen this. Yeah, I, I've seen this six, seven, eight times. I don't know. Several times. Yeah, I've seen this probably a dozen times and read the book. <clears throat> This is the second time I've seen it. I haven't gone nuts like you guys with it. But 
Well, I have done. Now it says the second time for me too. Yeah, I just I'm didn't know it. <laughs> curious, Josh. How how close is this to the book? Ish, like it, it. Like the events and a lot of the dialogue are straight out of the uh, book. But honestly, this was shot to hit a PG thirteen rating, and you do the book straight, and you get a hard R. Huh. Okay. Interesting. Because I've always wondered how kind of close they were and since i don't don't read a lot uh that was one of the first things i was thinking about when i was watching it again i'm like i can ask josh yeah this is like i wasn't into mm. elmore leonard as an author until i had seen like in rapid succession this jackie brown and out of sight like once i realized that all of them were like the, by the same guy i was like okay i need to track this down and i think i was helping out for a day at a book fair when i was like a buddy of mine was doing a high school book fair and they'd like throw me a couple bucks to sit there for the day. And this was one of the books that was available. Uh, and yeah, I ended up reading most of it just sitting there at this high school, like kids sell their novels back to the school from their English classes. Hmm. I, I don't know that I knew anything about Elmore Leonard until seeing this movie. And you know, it's, it's, I could see where Tarantino was kind of inspired by the style of writing where you're kind of taking crime and comedy and, and making a crimedy, as as they say. Um, and it just it works so well together. Um, plus, it's a great satire and it's and it's it's goddamn funny, but it's just such a solid movie. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. all Elmore Leonard's crime things have uh, a lot of gangsters that have very, very human maybe even weird qualities to them stuff you don't see in typical gangster movies and usually you follow a fairly large ensemble learning the characters in slightly different situations but they're on a collision course with one another and by the end of the movie a bunch of characters are going to be pointing guns at each other that's like the typical elmore leonard and i do like those kind of movies where you see people's stories and and they eventually all intertwine mm -hmm. those are those are fun like you know like a go like a like a, well, not really Reservoir Dogs, but you Pulp know, Fiction. Pulp Fiction, yeah, yeah. You know, those mm -hmm. types of movies where everything is just building up to a big crescendo. Well, and I think it'd be hard to keep everything straight. And but he's got such colorful, colorful characters. Like everybody is. I don't want to say like a like a they're, caricature or they're well defined, but they're not one. To, you know, they're not one dimensional, but they're not like multi dimensional, but they're well defined. And they're borderline like. Like you could almost say they're cartoonish, but they're not like they're still grounded in reality. So it never gets to that point. But they're so like kind of bright and colorful is the only way I can think to describe it that uh, it's just it's it's interesting how he, he toes that line really tightly. He, he writes a lot of characters that there are they seem like they're stereotypes, but they're not offensive stereotypes or that they could each have their own individual movie. On mm -hmm. their own, which, yeah. you know, a lot of times you'll have throwaway characters. But here, each one of these characters, you're kind of like, well, I'd kind of like to see what happened before this or what happened after this with that character. And that's that's kind of unusual in, in a movie. Well, it's another one of those situations where you find yourself cheering for people that, that you really would not normally cheer for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing is that frequently his protagonists are not traditional heroes. They are people who are pretty objectively pieces of shit. So what about the music in this one? This caused a large resurgence and is it jazz? What what sort of I mean it's it is jazz, but it uh I was trying to think of what 
kind of other influences there are there. But John John Lurie did the soundtrack. Um, but yeah, there was there was kind of a brief resurgence. It was around the same time that like lounge music kind of kicked in. It kind of is on the fringe of that, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit. Um, but it, it fits into the 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 mood and of the story and the characters, you know. Mm-hmm. Brian Seltzer's swing music was very popular around this time. Yeah, and this is more like soul uh, tinged jazz or acid jazz. A lot of like uh, Booker T. Got it. Who am I thinking of? Because I remember hearing that that song with the the da 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 that I, I can't even do it. I don't even why I'm bother trying. But it seemed like the the music from this movie popped up in commercials, popped up on the radio, popped up all over the place. People were listening probably to it for the that stuff time. that was licensed. There were a lot of original pieces composed by John Lurie uh, just for this film. Oh, okay. Well, I 100%, I mean, even though I don't recall this one, some of them, I personally think uh, Dennis Farina was fantastic in this. I mean, the over-the-top, stupid Guido gangster, you know, who got who rose in the ranks for reasons unknown type of thing and hates Chile for some did sort of t- reason. Did he tell you he was dead? <laughs> yes, he told me he was dead. That Or the, um, oh, man, which was it when, uh, when he goes into the... Um, the barber to shop? To, yeah, the barber shop, and he shoots him right up, right up the head. I find, oh, I, I, yeah, in the very beginning. Oh, right at the yeah. beginning, over yeah. the jacket. Yeah, yeah. Poor uh, um, Dennis Farina comes in, kind of, you know, like this hard ass, and then within the first like five minutes of the movie, he's got a broken nose and a bandage around his head, and is all fucked up. <laughs> yeah, which proceeds to carry out through the rest of the film. And I didn't honestly, I knew James Gandolfini was in this, but it took me a while to recognize who that guy was. Well, with the beard and the ponytail. The, yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And he also was a great, a, I mean, a great flip on the whole situation when uh, Chili's hanging off the balcony. What's going on? She's shooting at us. <laughs> well, she didn't know what was going on. Yeah. Uh, and even though it was a tactical mistake, the death of Yayo is like one of the best moments the whole like you must be one of those uh, quick draw artists mm-hmm. that was a great exchange like that is one of the moments that like is crystallized for me from this movie that that exchange between him and Bo. first time i saw this movie was because uh my father was a very big uh very big John Travolta fan, so we went and saw this in the theater, and I enjoyed it. You know, the dialogue is uh, very snappy, and the whole thing, you know, the characters are, are really, really cool, really well done and everything, but it wasn't, it's not like, you know, ever going to enter my top any kind of list, but, you know, it's an enjoyable movie. I don't know, there's just something really charming about Travolta's characterization of Chili Palmer and how, you know, here's this guy that's here to do bad things. Uh, but it's just kind of a job, but like that scene where he goes, he breaks into Hackman's house and they end up becoming friends and he ends up sitting at the coffee table or at the breakfast table, whatever, talking to him about his idea for a movie. And Rene Russo is like, what the hell's going on? Get the fuck out of the house, you know? And it just kind of goes to show that he's kind of this charismatic guy that doesn't really need a gun necessarily. Doesn't really need. Oh, sorry. I, I thought you were done. I apologize. Oh, I was just going to say, it doesn't really need to inflict violence. It, just the threat of it and his attitude is enough to kind of get the point across and get what it needs done. Yeah, a lot of people in his line of work, in both sides, the movie industry and the, the, the mafia, you know, like they don't understand that he's an intelligent guy and like they're expecting him to be a 
a tool that you just use for something and he's like much more than that like you know he's not to a hammer everything is a nail but he's you know which is most of the guys that they work with are hammers you know in his line of work but he's not a hammer he happens to be you know a, a multi-tool or whatever you want to call right. him you know so he, can do, that, he can do a little oh, bit of everything you know the fact that his skills translate directly from the crime world to hollywood is something that i think he finds surprising and it's like like i could do this and this this means something more to me than that other life a guy of that other life because i'm good at it but well i could do like the same thing and make something that matters yeah it seemed like he was kind of amused by the whole situation especially like near the when, when he's like is this is how you guys do business you know like i'm surprised you're not all dead you know that sort of that sort of cracks like he he kind of comes into it with as this unknown he was unknownly an expert at all this stuff before he even stepped into it well, and I, I thought it was it was subtle and smart the way that they let you know that he was not just like a, a casual moviegoer. Like he was a cinephile, like he loved film, um, you know, just him kind of correcting some things that were that were said or like when he went to go see um, Charlton Heston as a Mexican. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the movie all of a sudden. A Touch of Evil. Yeah. And he's sitting there just quoting it, you know, as it's going along. Uh, I thought that was nice. But who... Who in their right mind thought that it was a good idea to throw Momo a surprise birthday party, you know, four or five flights <laughs> up? Yeah. That was pretty funny, though. I mean, it was funny, but somebody was not thinking. Yeah. it was. It, I, I, Suzanne had never seen it, and she walking the upstairs, and the whole time he's got the scene where he's walking upstairs, she's like, oh, man, he's going to get gunned down. I, oh, I've seen this in the movies before. This is, He is going to get shot down, and the shock of her not it not being... A, uh, a hit squad when he opened the door was pretty funny. Now the it's the Cadillac of minivans was also a nice running gag to the whole thing too, especially yes. at the very end. Well, yeah, when everybody's driving them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, once Martin Weir bought one, you know. Oh yeah, that was it. Everybody had to have one. And Danny DeVito playing the ob- obliviously conceited actor, especially the whole scene where they're trying to get him to give the look, look in my eyes scene. Yeah. Now, what is that? What are you doing? Are you sleepy? <laughs> Yeah, and what a dick move at the restaurant when he ordered the omelet for the whole table, and then he's like, "I can't stay. I gotta go." He didn't order omelet. He ordered omelet and like three strawberry daiquiris for all of them, and then took off. I mean, but a hundred percent, Rene Russo was like, "He's he's gonna order. He's not gonna eat, and he ain't gonna pay." You know, she knew what was gonna happen. Egg an egg white omelet with shallots only. That does not sound fun. Yeah, it sounds kind of awful. Just get one for the table, and we can all pick at it. Yeah, who who shares an omelet? Right. <laughs> Next time we get together, I'm, we, we're we get a meal. Gonna, would you guys like an appetizer? Yeah, can we get an egg white omelet? Well, just pick at it. Just bring some forks. I just want to see the waitress be like, no, that's not happening. Would you like us to cut it up and back for you? <laughs> can you put it in, you know, put it, slice it in strips? Can you do that? Is that a thing? Table side. Table <laughs> Yeah, just, I want you to. I want you to cook the omelet here at the side of the table. No, it it's a very quotable movie. Also, yeah, yeah. be cool. The the sequel was not as good, uh, either the book or the film, but it was fine. See, I, I still I, enjoyed it. I love be cool for two reasons. Uh, I the Chili Palmer storyline is fine. It's kind of a rehash of this, mm-hmm. but um, Vince Vaughn's character and his little dance thing when he's on fire. That and the, anything with Dwayne Johnson as the 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 gay wannabe uh, country and western singer slash 
is he a, a bodyguard? Am I remembering that right? Or it is he? Sounds right. That one I've only seen once. Oh, he just he kills me in every scene. Cause the only thing I'd ever seen him in before that was the you know the mummy and I didn't see Scorpion King, but when he was a Scorpion King. Um, so this kind of introduced me to Dwayne Johnson as an actor, and I I fell in love with him. He's just he steals the movie, honestly. So I recommend it if you, if you like this. It's a it's a, very much in the same vein, but it is a little bit of a rehash. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that's that's where he goes into the music industry, right? Christina yes. Milian. Got it. But you do get uh, Danny DeVito back. Yep. Nice. And Rene Russo, I believe. No, Uma Thurman. No. Yeah, I was going to say Uma Thurman came back. I think it was just Travolta and DeVito from the first one. Hmm. I like that's, it. That's interesting. I, I think I, I want to check that one out. I definitely want to pick up the books. I mean, just if not oh. for this one, if the amount of, uh, I don't want to say fanboying, but just a amount of praise that Josh has for Elmore Leonard novels that I... I got a little if time away to, coming up. If you had to pick up only one Elmore Leonard novel, though, it wouldn't be either of those two books. What would, it would be, be your the, choice? It would be the book that unfortunately never got made into a movie. The project died in 2007. It's called Tisha Mingo Blues. Oh, uh, about, I hear about that. Yeah, basically like a burned out high high uh, high diver who is in nowhere Tishomingo and sees the Dixie Mafia kill somebody. And basically it's working towards everyone's trying to kill each other at a Civil War reenactment, only they're really going to load real guns. <laughs> that sounds interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's the big, like, and you could see, like, every group of different people who are going to be pointed against each other at the end, they all have the same idea. We'll go to the reenactment, only we'll have real period weapons and we'll load them. So are we ready to take a break and come back to talk about the series? A very different take on the same theme with uh, Chris O'Dowd. Yes, I definitely think we are. Yes. So we will be back in a little bit. We're going to talk about Get Shorty, the uh, HBO, HBO, no, Amazon Prime TV show. Epics, Epics, Epics. It was Epics, but yeah, it can be seen on Prime. And I think season four might only be on Prime, but I'm not quite sure because they weren't sure Epics was going to pay to have it made but oh, it's, okay. it's coming okay oh i didn't know I, th- I thought they ended it with three seasons and that was it oh. uh fourth season was announced uh this week or last week oh okay cool, cool. just in time so uh we're going to head to the break and uh, in the meantime we've got the geek life radio artisan song of the week which is mega thruster with it's rough to be a hufflepuff everyone knew i'd always be there for them Every girl told me, well, let's just be friends. And Hagrid said, son, it's rough to be a Hufflepuff. You're not the worst, but you're not the best. Son, it's tough to be a Hufflepuff. All right, we are back, and we are going to talk about Get Shorty 2017 to 2019, 2020. It's well, according to Josh. Yeah. Oh, Still going. Cool. So these are the adventures of a mobster turned movie producer in Hollywood. A TV show based in quotes, based on Elmore Leonard's novel and subsequent film. This is written and directed by a host of different people, but starring a one Chris O'Dowd as a rather threatening Miles Daly. Right? I know. That's Can not, be. Not yeah. the dude from the IT crowd that I remember. Did you try turning it off and on again? I'm going to come up there and kick your ass. 
Yeah, there you go. That's better. Uh, I'm disabled. <laughs> Ray Romano as Rick Morweather. Sean Bridges as Louis Darnell. Bridgers. Carol- Bridgers? Bridgers. Yeah. I uh, love Sean Bridgers. He was in The Woman. The Woman. Yeah. Oh. Lucky McKee film. Yeah, I was not familiar with him, but I'm a big fan of Lulu. Yeah, he's And he's I love good. the fact that they call him Lulu. Yeah. Uh, as Lulu or Louis Darnell. Carolyn Dodd as Emma Daly. Wait. Wait a minute, you you know him, Josh. He was in Deadwood. Oh shit, I do know him. Yeah, he's good. He played Bill in Deadwood. Yeah, yeah, he's sort of a minor character, but now that you say that, now I recognize him. Oh, he's in the Blacklist too. It's been a while since I saw any of the Blacklist. Oh, that's that's my my big binge also with now this and now get shorty are my two big binges. Uh Carolyn Dodd is in Medaille, as I said, Goya Robles is Yago. Lida Porto as Amara. Megan Stevenson as April Quinn. Isaac Keys as Ed. Sarah Stiles as Gladys. Lucy Walters as Katie Daly. I like her. She was in Here Alone. It was a zombie movie. Well, and uh, Amara, in a lot of scenes she's in, she just steals a lot of those scenes. Amara is the most frightening villain I've seen in a long while. She's got, an, got some gravitas to her stare when she's looking at people. She's like a female Gus Fring. Yeah, <laughs> she really is in a lot of ways. Although I think she's even less controlled than he is. Hmm. I don't know who Gus Fring is. Who's that? Uh, he's in later seasons of Breaking Bad. Oh, and, show I uh, have not seen yet. Better Call Saul, I believe, too. Yes. Huh. I have to finish Breaking Bad before I'll allow myself to start Better Call Saul, though. I have half a season left. Hmm. So uh, trivia, Ray Romano's Shaggy Hairdo was styled after producer Brian Grazer. He's got some big hair. Yeah, I can see that. Oh, yeah, 100%. Also, the fictitious Mexican drug cartel, Los Chapulines. Saying that right, Josh? Chapulines? Uh, sure. Means the grasshoppers. So, Los Chapulines. Chapulines. Uh, also, the movie's namesake is Miles Daly's daughter, but additionally, the name of the fictitious drug cartel, Los Chapitos, meaning shorties, probably also a reference to ex Sinanolas El Chapo, and his son's Los Chapitos. That's all I could find on the list for the trivia on this one. Everything else was production started on May 3rd. <laughs> oh, that's good trivia. Yeah, I, oh, you should have put that in there. I know, right? The second season was announced on June 14th. There's a second season? There is. Oh. So. Spoilers. I am going to go ahead and say all of us are kind of taken by this show. That hasn't said much, though. I don't know. Huh. But it's first time viewing for all of us. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Right. But to tip my hand a little much, a little right there, I am enraptured with this show. I need to know what's going to happen next. Yeah, uh, as is tradition, I, I waited to uh, start preparing for this episode. And uh, I've done very little besides uh, pre-planned responsibilities uh, since I started yesterday. I've just basically been watching this show with a brief break to sleep ah sleep's overrated that's where i'm a viking (laughs) that's right no it is not (laughs) sleep is amazing i yeah i i i love the premise of the original film i just i like the kind of sly satire or smart satire whatever you want to say and so i was curious to see what they were going to do here and after the first episode i was like Oh, shit. I'm going to watch the whole thing. Yeah, because it's like I, I thought Chili Palmer was a badass. And then you meet Miles Daly. 
Well, and it's interesting because he is not necessarily going to resort to brute force immediately. That's not like his first response, but he's not above it. Like if it, if it's in his way or it's not, it's going to, you know, be an end to a, uh, whatever he needs done, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. He's not, but he's not like a, that that's the first response. Well, like, he, like he's not like oh. Dennis Farina in the first one. Right. Right. It's like the scene where they meet with the, the screenwriter of the um, Admiral's mistress and he's having a nice conversation with him, you know, and he wants to talk to him more about this and things happen and, you know. It's, it, you know, so he's not, it's obviously not his first, his first thought necessarily. Right. right. But, but if you flip that switch, Miles yeah. Daly will do it. And it's not like he's not doing it in anger. He's doing it because this is the next step in the process. Yeah. This is just what needs to be done. Like this, this is his world. Yeah. It's now, business. When they go to see the screenwriter to get the money back and Lulu tells Tim, can you, can you turn a little bit this way? Why? Because I don't want to have to clean your brains all off that bookcase. That's going to be a big pain in the ass. Go just turn. <laughs> right now, Lulu's it's... pretty matter of a fact. <laughs> oh, and it's crazy because it's not too far after that that you find out that Lulu is like a diehard Mormon. Yeah, like yep. devout Mormon. No caffeine, no sex, just very little swear. Well, he found a way around the, was it the swearing thing that he said he found a loophole or something? No, yeah. it's the sex thing. Well, that that's later. That's uh, that's later. Yeah, this is some tantric shit. Yeah. Okay, uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, we, I don't don't want to ruin anything for you, but like the his his character complicated, uh, complicated. Yeah, good way to put it. And he is a very very Elmore Leonard style character. And that was the thing for me is like I was a little afraid to watch this because I I didn't know is like are they gonna get it? Well, see, that's the thing is that. I, I was like, okay, where's Chili? Where's, you know, Barboni? Where's, where's, where are all these characters? And after, you know, getting a little bit into it, I didn't care anymore. Cause it's, it's not, it's not the same story, but it's a different take on the same theme. Did you catch the Chili? Uh, I don't want to say cameo cause it's a throwaway moment. And I can't I, remember what episode it was in. Well, I, I have two episodes left of season one. I know Josh finished season one. Yeah, and I can't remember. And this it's a throwaway bit, but as uh, someone is e- exiting or leaving the studio, a car pulls away and the uh, guy at the gate is like, have a good day, Mr. Palmer. Oh, oh, I don't remember that. I missed that. Like, it's a throwaway moment. Blink and you miss it. But I caught it. <laughs> nice. So how far did, did you guys get? Uh, I only got to episode five so far. Okay, so you're still halfway through the season. Yeah, yeah, I'm still halfway through the season. Definitely want to get into this. And I was telling Josh before we started talking, I finished up watching episode five about a half an hour before we went live. And as I'm getting ready to come down and start recording, you know, Suzanne's like, I really want to know what happens next. I'm like, do you, you do not start watching the next episode. <laughs> like, we're not playing this. This happened when we were playing World of Warcraft. You know, I went to work and I came home that day and you were like glowing goddess flying around in there. You out-leveled me. You're not out-leveling, out-leveling me on this one. But uh, no, definitely want to know what happens next. This is I, I think the difference between the two is Get Shorty with Travolta was more of a mobster fairy tale. Everything oh. went right. 
You know what that's I mean? A, that's a good. That's a good analogy. It's a good way of looking at that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Everything yeah. goes right for. I mean, then even the things that go wrong go right for him because he's the hero. He's he's the he's uh, Cinderella of the, of the story. Everything's gonna go going to come out happy in the end. This yeah, is he's more cool of a, guy. Yeah, he's cool guy. This is more of a realistic. What if a guy who worked for the mob tried to do this in real life? What would happen? This is what would happen. Well, and when he thinks he's got his shit together and he's got a plan, something fucks it up. And whether it's his fault or somebody else's fault, he's got these best laid plans and he's like, okay, this is going to work. I got it all figured out. And then somebody's like, nope, fuck you. And you're like, okay, how's he going to get out of this shit? Yeah. Or in some cases, do not call her. It's just like talking to your children. Do not go get the cookies. The cookies are not for you. Oh, okay. Cookies? Okay. You know, it's... mm. Pat never actually answered the question. I'm curious how far you got. Oh, I got. Uh, I, I finished the second episode at like eight fifteen. Okay, as okay. is tradition. <laughs> so, now, what'd you think? I mean, was this yeah. just a case of uh, procrastination, or were you not into it? No, it's straight up procrastination. I didn't even start watching it till today. It's it's a good show. I enjoyed it. Um, I don't necessarily know if I'm gonna watch more of it. I might. It's just, but. I mean, I I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's well acted and well shot, and, and I enjoyed all the characters and stuff. It it's, it it hits all my buttons. Like you've got comedy, you've got the the crime element, you've got uh you know some pretty serious moments, you've got some pretty fucked up moments. And I I wasn't sure about the casting of Ray Romano, but I gotta admit he's kind of perfect. Well, and after we saw him in the Big Sick movie, which we all also loved, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was when I was like, you know, he's got these chops. He can do this. He he plays that kind of Harry Zim esque. I guess he's you know that that take on the character, I suppose. But this kind of down and out producer who's tried to be a good producer and create things that had value, and then got beat down so many times, he just gave up and decided to go for the lowest common denominator to make a buck. Mm-hmm. And He's kind of out of his depth, but he's trying. Uh, and he just plays that kind of schlub bit really well. Like, I, I I get why they cast him. Now, Sarah Stiles as his secretary, I am loving. There's, uh, Pat, you haven't gotten to this point yet, but she is definitely sick and tired of him schlubbing around and not taking the chances that he should be taking. And you find that out later in, like, episode four. But uh, she's a great character. And also the arc of his his estranged wife. Yes. The relationship between him and her and him and his daughter has been very well written. Yeah. And I, I can't remember because I think there's more about her and their history, but I think it's right at the end. So I don't want to spoil anything for you guys. Mm-hmm. Well, and if, if you like Gladys, her character gets a lot more to do as the series has gone on, at least through the where I'm at in the, in the first season. Like you get a lot more of Gladys and she becomes a, not necessarily more central, but she definitely gets more to do and more involved as the production of the movie goes on. Um, yeah, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. I, I was looking forward to doing this because I've been wanting to watch it since I first heard about it. I'm because I love Chris O'Dowd, but I, I didn't, I didn't expect to like it this much, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I'm very impressed with Chris O'Dowd's range now because so, I mean, you, you think of him in, what he what he was in being in uh, IT crowd. That's where everyone knows him from, uh, or from his bit part in the MCU from uh, the second Thor movie. Yeah, yeah, and, and the bad date. Mm-hmm. 
He was in Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. He, uh... He's done several romantic comedy kind of things, yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, Joel, what was the the rom-com one that you made us watch? (laughs) That I made you watch. What was it? Julia Uh, Interrupted? Yeah. Yeah. That's another one. He a great episode. I mean, great. But this is, I mean, a rom com going from comedy to, to rom com is kind of just like a step to the side. This is a full stride, I think, in his in his development as an actor. I mean, he is straight up threatening. But at the same time, there's scenes where I'm laughing at his delivery of things. It's very it's very similar to the uh, career step that Liam Neeson took. He went from rom coms to tough guy. And now that's all he does. Also, an Irish dude. Well, so, I, I yeah, I had not considered that. I think Lulu's kind of character development has been the most interesting, though, because he's kind of this dry, not necessarily sidekick, but, you know, he's he's kind of afraid of everything. And he's kind of like, just do the job, shut your mouth and let's keep you know moving. And then all of a sudden he realizes, well, maybe maybe I could be a screenwriter. Maybe I could, you know, contribute. And uh, I want I don't I want to have a job. Everyone knows associate producer is just bullshit. Right. Mm hmm. Well, I think there's his arc is pretty is pretty good too because he comes with this when he's working with um when he's working with Miles and, the, and they're the cleanup crew for Amara he knows what he's doing that we're you know I'm Rick I'm Rick I'm Rick Miles does this this is what we do together I, he had st- steady like in the very beginning he didn't want to leave New Mexico I'm happy being right here I got everything I need right here. And then right. he goes to the apartment building and he's like, hey, have you ever wanted to go anywhere else? And the, the neighbor's like, why? The Walmart's right there. Why do I need to leave? Yeah. And he kind of realizes that maybe there is something more in his life than just like going to Walmart and sitting at a pool with his shithead brother-in-law. Right. And Miles takes this huge step on potentially life-ending step. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I, f- I forgot what they call him again, his nickname. Rick's who Lulu Lulu um yeah not Rick yeah Lewis sorry that's I don't know why I was looking at Rick uh Lulu's he's very out of his element he's very outside of his comfort zone for the whole thing but you can tell that he's sticking with it I'm I'm out here in LA because Miles is here I'm here with Miles that's that's my life doing what I do is with Miles and little by little you're right he gets into that whole like you mean I can I can get if I'm the writer I get paid right money for this you know, he's and he's slowly catching on. But it's I like his whole arc in the first couple episodes where he goes from this. We're cleanup guys for Amara. This is what we do. This is all we can do to a like a frightened chicken for a little <laughs> while. <laughs> frightened chicken will shoot you in the head mid conversation. Yeah. Do not question. And that was Patrick. Plug your ears when he's convincing <laughs> the screenwriter's girlfriend that he was actually just using his scripts to get to get women and she opens the door and he just pops her in the head and he was so close to getting away with it i know yep i know and you know one of the things that they that they did kind of continue from the movie and this as well is miles keeps falling upwards as does lulu you know like every time they you know just like like when he went to church to find a mormon church in los angeles and the guy that he meets there happens to catch his name, realizes that he's the quote unquote writer for the Admiral's mistress, happens to work for William Morris Agency. And mm-hmm. he, he doesn't even know who William Morris is. He's like, the cigarette company? He's like, oh, you're a comedy writer. You know, that's funny. Yeah. They all just keep falling upwards into this better and better situation. Oh, and Peter Starmore, we didn't mention him. Oh, as the director. Yeah. Yes. We did not mention Peter Starmore. 
He's so he's so great. I knew he was in it. And when he first came out and I was like, there's no way that they are using just Peter Stormare as just a wino. Right. Just his bit part. I, I was like, maybe he's going to be like the the wise drunk that shows up every now and then and you know gives him this advice or that sort of thing. But then when he showed up the next day, I was like, this is so perfect. Yep. Oh, and uh, I don't know which I don't know if we mentioned him in the cast. The 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 stupid guy, the dumb the dumb guy that was the roommate of the writer. Oh, uh, no, I didn't put him in there. Oh, I... see, and that's the thing is I want to talk about his character, but Mike is not there yet to his yeah. moment. Yeah, I yeah, know yeah, something's Nathan. coming with him. That uh, was like sixth episode or seventh episode. Where, something like that. Yeah, his his thing happens. And uh, it's funny, like one of the things that causes the most trouble, even though it has a higher potential reward, is that... Miles won't just let this movie be a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Like if he would just accept uh, that this is going to be a crappy period piece that is not actually going to be good, uh, everything would have been pretty much okay. Yeah. Amara gets her money. Uh, You don't involve the studios. You don't get have to worry about these power players that can screw you over. Yeah. If he uh, would have followed Rick's Rick's template. Yeah, uh, but he he needed something to be meaningful, and uh, that's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I'm legit curious, and this is kind of why I, I want to continue the series. Is how are they going to stretch this out? Like, what's going to happen? Because the movie can't be in production forever, so eventually that's going to end. And then what are they going to go into post production and premiere, and then like another film? Or uh, you know, I'm I'm curious to see how they do this. Yeah, well, I, I I have a pretty good idea of that. I also want to toss in here, Topher Grace is an asshole. Well, that's... And, I mean, the, yeah. also the character he plays. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have anything necessarily against Topher Grace, but he does play a, a very, very good asshole who likes... And part of the problem for me with Topher Grace is I always mix him up uh, with Spider-Man, with... Uh, Toby Maguire. Toby Maguire, who is legitimately a dickhead. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking Topher Grace's Venom, and yeah, we don't need. No, to but I, I straight up mix those guys up. <laughs> That's funny. Hmm. After watching all of that '70s show, I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever mistake those two. But yeah, he he he's good at what he does in this movie for sure. Yeah. So you think we're time for thumbs up, thumbs down? Even though I think it's kind of obvious. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to say any more considering I don't want to spoil things for those of you who are gonna continue on yeah which i yeah, appreciate there's definitely a lot more i could say about things that happen but yeah if if you're going to continue you need to enjoy the ride mm-hmm. and listeners definitely definitely check this out yeah this is definitely it's worth your time yeah that's, that's about all i can say is make sure you don't get anything going on tomorrow though <laughs> this is gonna be one of those this is one of those shows where you're suddenly you're like oh wow i'm four episodes in and it's two in the morning and i have to be up three hours yeah. type of thing and so you- you don't even have to see the original film to enjoy the show, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say, in a lot of ways, this is better than the original film. Uh, it is uh, definitely hard R from having been on Epics. Yes. You can get away with pulling these things off that you, you, you couldn't have done. Uh, the studio wanted it to be even further from a, a hard R uh, with uh, their notes that we talked about in the first half. Yeah, this but, has got... Lots of cursing, violence, and nudity. Some of our favorite things here at Forty Going. 
Not necessarily in that order. Favorite things. So I'm just going to assume we've got four thumbs up on both sides. I, I mean, I think Josh, you and I are all. I was going to say, yeah, we we can do it for tradition, but yeah, definitely me and Joel. There, there's no. Yeah, question. And I'm not. I'm not thumbs down by any means. So, yeah. Right. All right. So Joel, what do we have coming up next week or soon? Soon, coming to an episode near you. Uh, we're going to be talking about Space Jam, little He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, and uh, Fantasy Island, as well as don't forget our 400th episode is coming up. Yeah, definitely uh, click the link in the show notes and add your question to the 400th episode bonanza. I almost said debacle, which <laughs> you might be right. Yeah, never know. It could go one of two ways or maybe some infighting. So, uh, if, yeah, maybe you want to leave one of those questions for us uh, rather than filling out a Google form. You want to tell us your question. You can do that by giving us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And uh, if you're looking for our back catalog, you can find it on your favorite podcast apps such as Podbean. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about us and leave us a review on Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts. <laughs> you can also support us through the coffee link in the show notes and help keep uh, hosting costs at bay for us. And also, a little bonus for Space Jam, I am not going to be here, but my brother will be, who is a, I think, four-time now substitute? Four or five, yeah. Yeah. He's so. been like our main substitute. No, yeah. he was kind of, was kind of cautious. I had to convince him because <laughs> the last yeah. time, after the... After the Leprechaun prank. Yeah. After oh, you guys shit. made him watch all the Leprechaun movies, and then... <laughs> and then didn't talk about them because we didn't about Leprechaun movies. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that I I feel kind of bad about that, but holy shit, it was funny. Sorry, oh. Matthew. No, no, no. He he after you know he he appreciates the setup and the dedication. So, but yeah, he'll be. And on I the appreciate the show. image of him sitting there watching the Leprechaun. With <laughs> oh, he show, he had notes. Like, yeah, I know it's copious what, yeah. notes on more than one page. On I, I love that image. And his wife sat with him the whole time and watched all of them too. I mean, we give him shit, but we love Matthew. We do. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's a good guy. All right, so uh, that is it for Get Shorty. We'll be back soon next week for more entertainment for you, and thanks for listening. Fuck you, fuck ball. I had to say it again. You like that, don't you? I do, it's funny. Mm. The Harvey Keitel bit at the end. It's inspired. She should like study karate and open her own dojo, you know, the, the dojo cat dojo. And we're here. All right. <laughs> yep. Not acknowledging that. Yeah. Fantastic. You can only help you so much there, Joel. I was doing all right. And then they <laughs> would purchase a cat that would be like the, you know, the, the standard cat in the dojo. So it would be the dojo cat, dojo cat. Yes. Dojo. I had a cat, I'd name him Jack. Jojo and it would be it would be, you know, located right next to the Howard Johnson, so it'd be the Hojo Dojo Cat Dojo Cat. You need to smoke more. <laughs> or less. Or <laughs> whatever do- amount I'm at right now is not the amount. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever number you're, you're right at, now. it needs to be a little bit higher or a little bit lower. You're not a <laughs> Dojo Hoitz. And if if they had a spokesman that was Florence Griffith, Florence Griffith Joyner, it'd be 
He's Flojo speaks for the Hojo, Dojo Cat, Dojo Cat. <laughs> Hobo Jojo. Meanwhile, he's listening to Dojo Cat. Or, or if he was, a, he was also here to go back. If he was also a villain on Powerpuff Girls, it'd be Mojo Jojo. <laughs> Hojo speaks for the Hojo do, Dojo Dojo. <laughs> Dojo Cat, Dojo Cat. Dojo Hoets. <laughs> now this is just getting ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous enough. Oh, that's fine. When I start playing, then it suddenly gets stupid. <laughs> no, I'm down. Keep going. Got the glory, but at least I tried. 
still alive.